Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to today's episode of Trendlebed Tales. I'm your host Sarah Utah, uh, creator of Trendlebed Tales, where we bring Laura Ingalls Wilder children's literature and history to life. Today, our program we're going to be talking to Tessa Flack, who is the new head of the Laura Ingalls Wilder Memorial Society uh, in Desmet, and I hope hopefully she will be joining us very shortly. We had a bit of a technical gaffe earlier, and um, so I don't have her on the line right now, but hopefully we will in a minute. So uh, in the meantime, here we go with a little housekeeping. But if you hear that sound which is the noise made by washing metal plates in a metal wash tub on the stove, then you know it's time for a little housekeeping. And here on Trundlebed Tales, our housekeeping means giving you the information you may need about the show. If you ever want to listen to an episode live, but you don't want to just stream it through the computer, you can call in at... 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll free 1-877-633-9389. That's toll free 1-877-633-9389. You can also use those same numbers to call in and ask a question and otherwise be on the show. Just make sure that you hit 1 when they ask you to so the little symbol comes up and I know you have a question so that you want to talk. Anytime you're streaming an episode, you can also join in the chat room. Unless there's some technical issue, I always open it up. You'll find you have the easiest time accessing the chat room if you log in, either using your Facebook login or if you go ahead and create a Blog Talk Radio account. The account is free and makes it easier to do several things, including sign up to follow shows and get an email anytime a new episode is scheduled or is archived and you can listen to the stream. If you enjoy Trendlebed Tales, then you can find us many other places around the web as well. Besides appearing on the podcast, there's also a Trendlebed Tales YouTube channel that has both travel diaries and short films about things related to Laura, like a video of what it's like to wade in Plum Creek and one of Shirley Nockmuth ringing the church bell, that's right, Paws Bell, in Walnut Grove. You can also find our page on Facebook and like it, our Twitter account, And I also 
have a Laura Ingalls Wilder interest group on LinkedIn, and you can find us there too. So there's always more Laura things to talk about. I hope you. And I think we've got Tessa on the line, so let's just finish up this housekeeping. And all right, and Tessa, is that you? Yes, it is. Oh, yay! Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. I always get real nervous when I don't have somebody on the line before the program oh. starts. <laughs> That's fine. Well, thank you for joining us here today, Tessa. And uh, we are going to hopefully have a pretty good program today. And we've got some questions that we're going to go through. But as I mentioned in housekeeping, if anybody out there is listening, and we've got a few people in the chat room, you can either... Uh, do call in or you can chat in and jump in whenever you want to. So for right now, let's just start out. Uh, Tessa, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, Well, I'm Tessa Fluck, and I'm the new director at the Laura Ingalls Wilder Memorial Society. I started in October of 2015, so I've been here for a little less than six months now. It's been pretty interesting. Um, I guess I'm an Iowa native, and I am a recent graduate from Iowa State University. Well, we're always glad to support Iowa people, even if they did go to Iowa State. (laughs) We're Hawkeye people ourselves, but okay. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I'm going to start out. We never, I never know who exactly is listening to the program, and some people may know all about the Memorial Society already, and some might not. So I just wanted to start out uh, with a couple of sort of general questions about the Memorial Society for listeners who may not have gotten a chance to get there, which they should because the SMET is the happiest place on earth. So uh, the real happiest place on earth. So for people who don't know, what exactly is the Laura Ingalls Wilder Memorial Society? Well, the Memorial, so- the Memorial Society started in 1957, the year Laura passed away, and it started off with, you know, just three friends over coffee, and they wanted to, you know, preserve Laura's legacy, and um, they got together, and they first started by, you know, preserving the surveyor's house, and then it expanded on to the Ingalls home and everything. So right now, we have quite a few different buildings, <coughs> excuse me, um, the Ingle, the surveyor's house is one of the first that we have, um, and that's one of the first homes that Laura lived in when they came to Dakota Territory. We have the Ingalls home, which is um, the house that Pa built on 3rd Street. We have a replica Brewster School that Laura talks about in her books. Um, it's one of the first schools she taught at. And then we have the first school, which is our um, our newest building that we've added into our um on our property and everything. And that one was moved just a few years back and it's been restored and everything. And Laura and her little sister Carrie attended the first school of this month. And so we have quite a few buildings um, here at the Memorial Society. And we do tours. Um, The tours usually last about an hour and a half or so. Um, And we go through all the different buildings and we talk about Laura's travels, her family, her life, her books. 
So what are the tours like? Is it something that's mostly listening to someone? Is this the kind of museum where people touch stuff or the kind of museum where people shouldn't? A little bit of both. We do have um, some hands-on activities that they can do while on the tours. Um, And like in the surveyor's house, we have a few hands-on things, but at the Ingalls home, it's more just looking. Um, a lot of we have some artifacts that are out and everything that you can just look at, but we ask you not to touch them. Um, so it's a little bit of both. Okay. So besides uh, having and maintaining these buildings, what else is uh, the mission of the Memorial Society? What other kind of things do you do? Well, our our mission is just preserving Laura's legacy, and so we try to. Um, do a lot of activities, hands-on ones with the kids, and try and get them, you know, to um, get them more interested in Laura's life and pioneers in general. And so um, that's really our main mission is to get people to know about her life, her family, um, what all happened, what was life really like back then, different things like that. And uh, you keep an archive of materials. Uh, You have a museum collection of objects, and uh, you are uh, the main functioning uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder publication, the Laura Lore. Yes. Um, We do have over 2,000 artifacts in our archives, Um, and so it is quite a bit, so we're thrilled about that. We have all sorts of Ingalls Wilder artifacts, um, and even many items from the local area here. We also have an exhibit room where we display many of those artifacts, and they're rotated um, just annually and everything. So people, um, guests who take the tours are also able to go to our exhibit room and look at a lot of our um, artifacts. You also have a pretty cool gift shop. I'd say one of the top three, and uh, there's people can also buy stuff online, right? Yes, yep. We have an online gift shop. I guess I jumped ahead. And if you can't find anything on there, just feel free to call us. And I jumped ahead on one of my questions. I guess I meant to ask this later, but since I already started, uh, are you rolling out any new products this year? I always like to see what's uh, new that I haven't bought yet. Um, Let's see. Well, we have a lot of different clothing options. Um, We have more guy um, male clothing options. Um, We have new like unisex T-shirts. Um, we have some women's shirts with a picture of the surveyor's house on it and some information. Uh, let's see. We're also doing different pioneer dresses, and so you get a lot of different options there too. Um, okay, well, to get back on terms... Oh, did you have mm-hmm. something else? Um, I guess I was just thinking that we're also going to be coming out with our fourth ornament, so Ooh, I a, love those ornaments. Yeah, they're really cute. So, yeah. Okay, so um, let's say yeah, I I have been to Dismet a lot because I really meant it when I think it's the real happiest place on earth. I mean, I know Disney. I love Disney too, but Dismet is such a great place, and I've gotten I've been fortunate enough to get to visit quite a few times. But if I was somebody who came in and didn't do enough research and was just, where should I start? Where do I find you, and where do is the first place to go? Um, 
The Memorial Society is located on the northeast side of town, just before you hit the railroad tracks. And what you're first going to want to do is come to our gift shop. And there um, we'll give you a map and we'll um, explain what we offer in town and what's all around, what you can do and see. Um, and we also start our tours at the gift shop. So you can come in. Um, if you want to do a tour, we'll take you through the four different buildings we have. You can look at our exhibits. You can go through the gift shop. Um, but we'll also talk to you about the map. So on there, we'll talk about, you know, the Ingalls Homestead, uh, where Laura and Alonzo's homestead is located just north of town here. There's a little historic marker that we'll point out, um, where the five cottonwood trees are planted. Um, and then we'll talk about, you know, this, where the cemetery is located and who's buried there. And also, you can do your own walking tour of the downtown area. And in the business windows, we have um, little signs that we put up. And those talk about, you know, the significance of the building, what it was when Laura was here, different things like that. So we'll go over all of that when you come to the gift shop. Okay, now before we move on from our kind of general memorial society questions, I get a lot of confusion about where the memorial society gets its funding. Is it from, I get people who are thinking it comes from the state of South Dakota or from the national government. A lot of people think it's a, that it's a national historic site or that they're get, you're getting money from the Laura Ingalls Wilder estate. But where, in fact, do you get your funding? Um most of our funding comes from gift shop sales and generous donors. Um, so if if people really want to see these kind of things continue, it's important they shop in the gift shop and uh, and hopefully make donations, right? Exactly. Um, we don't get support um, from the government, at least um, other than grants and different things like that. But most of our funding comes from donors. And so, um, I guess just this last year, we started an annual fundraiser um, because we were, you know, getting a little behind in everything. So, we're going to continue to do an annual fundraiser to try and keep up everything so that the Memorial Society can continue for future generations. So, it's definitely really important that, um, you know, if there are, you know, like, let's just say, you know, uh, William Anderson's new book, The Selected Letters of Laura Ingalls Wilder, just came out on the 8th. And I put up, you know, uh, different Facebook posts and different um, information on the social media and everything. So if you want to help support us, definitely go through there and, um, you know, call us, go on our online gift shop and everything. But definitely, you know, give us your support through the sales and everything. So that will definitely help us. So when you say fundraiser, do you mean just like a uh, campaign, or do you mean that you had an actual event? Campaign. Yep. It's just an annual campaign that we do. Okay. Um, so to kind of turn our attention now to you, since uh, you're the new head, and I think there's been um, a lot of people wondering about you, so uh DeSmet isn't the first Laura town you've lived in. Where are you from? Um, I'm from Decorah, Iowa, and I live just a few miles from Baroque, Iowa, 
where Laura and her family lived um, in 1876 when she was about 10 years old. And I was a tour guide at the Baroque Museum for eight years, and I was also on their board for three years. So I've been working with them for a really long time. <laughs> so, well, it sounds like it. Be here now in Desmet. Yeah, that's one thing I think um, it would be nice if people were a little bit more uh, uh, transparent about. We don't really, even if you're lower people, we don't really know what's in the board. It's cool you were on it, so you really should be uh, used to dealing with all the, the ins and outs of a Laura Museum. Exactly. Oh, what is your educational background? Um, well, like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm a recent graduate from Iowa State University. Um, I graduated in May 2015 with a double major in anthropology and sociology. And so it's not a history background, but I've always loved history, and I have always loved Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, I tried out for Baroque's Little Miss Laura contest for three years. I never got it, but my sister did, and so I got to take along with her for the different activities that she was involved in. And then I started working when I was 14 at the museum. So I've been there all throughout college and everything. So it was a perfect fit. Um, but, you know, so I guess. Uh, you have done an internship at the Vesterheim. I often yes. recommend people who are visiting Baroque stop at the Vesterheim. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about that? Um. I did an internship just this last summer with Vesterheim, and I was there for um, a few months. I worked on the online art exhibition site, um, and every year during their annual Nordic Fest celebrations, um, they have four different um, groups. There's like rose mauling, knife making, um, wood carving, different things like that. And so I would go around, take the pictures, interview everybody, and I would put it onto their online um, art exhibition. So it just has a site with a collection of past and present artists. So. Uh, and uh, if you, for those of you who don't know, the Vesterheim, uh, Vesterheim means Western Home and in Norwegian, and it is the national museum of uh, Norwegian uh, American history, and they have a phenomenal collection, uh, including some open storage, which is always really cool to see, and they have outbuildings and lots of neat stuff. It, it's a really uh, nicely done museum, and it's fairly known, well known in museum circles um, nationally. It's the largest Norwegian American museum in the U.S., and what's really interesting is that um, I mean, it is very well known, and a lot of um, Norwegian travelers that come to the U.S. actually stop by and go through the museum. So that's pretty interesting. You get to meet a lot of different people. So as someone with a little bit more formal background in museums with the internship and things, uh, are you planning to make any changes in the experience visitors have in DeSmet or in the training of the guides? Well, at this time, I'm working on updating our exhibits so we can get more artifacts out and everything and rotate those a little bit more. So that's definitely one of my main goals at this point. Um, I would like to change up our tours a little bit so that it goes a little more along with the Pioneer Girl book that just came out last year. So those are 
really my two main goals at this point. Um, we do have a lot of new merchandise that's coming through, so that'll change up the gift shop a little bit. But right now, um, those would be the few changes that I'm making here. Okay, so let's talk about some of the Society's recent big projects. Uh, is the first school restoration completed now? Will you leave it as it is now, or are you going to do a little bit more uh, because it, uh, it uh, as it is, I could see it going either way? Well, right now, um, I'm planning to keep it as is. Once this main season is complete, um, next year I might do a, a few different changes, but I haven't been here long enough to really um, see some of those changes that need to be done. So I'm just, you know, um, a lot of the time, what we're going to do really is just continue um, as we have been. And if I see something that needs to be done or that needs to be fixed or um, improved for visitors, then that'll be next year's project. Okay. Uh how did uh, your efforts go? You were trying, the society was trying to get a representative collection of uh, Garth Williams illustrations as they were coming on the market from the estate. Uh, how did uh, that work? Did There was a big fundraising campaign for that, and I think it was fairly successful. I know you got some pieces. Uh, how did that turn out? Uh, that fundraiser went very well. Um, it, it's amazing how many people, when we asked them um, for donations, everything, how many people were just giving us um, a lot. You know, it's for something like that. I think it's really important um, to get the word out and everything. And people just they really loved Garth Williams' illustrations, and so you know they were just very generous with us, and we were able um, to get 63 of those illustrations. So it was quite a few that we got. Um, our, I guess at the beginning our main goal was just to get um, one from each of the books, at least about her time here in DeSmet. But, you know, we raised so much that we were able to get 63 of them. Oh, that is a nice selection. It is. And so um, I know this last year Cheryl, the previous director, she had out on display about nine of them. And so this year I'm hoping to rotate those and get a few more out in our exhibits. So if visitors come, they're able to see those. Uh, so you you started answering this question, but uh, how will you be displaying them in the future? And uh, is there a certain, since they did cost so much, how will you come up with a storing system for them? Yes, we do have um, a collection storage room and everything. Um and so they're all protected and everything, but um, we just have to be really careful when we have them out in the collection, well, in the exhibit and everything. So they're going to have to be rotated um, fairly often and everything. And um, with our just our recent annual campaign um, on our wish list, I had asked for um, donations for our exhibits and everything, and that included getting new um, cases. So that um, in these cases they're fairly expensive, so that they are able to protect all of the illustrations and everything. So we're still working on um, looking into that and get, raising money so that we can display more. 
Um, recently, other illustrators that are connected to Laura projects, like uh, Renee Grafe and uh, Jody Wheeler, have been selling off illustrations uh, that they did for uh, you know various Laura projects. Now, I know you'd had a big focus on Garth Williams, since I think you really have, at this point at least, I am fairly confident in saying you have the biggest. Laura Ingalls Wilder illustration collection among all the Laura home sites. Are you looking to uh, expand it to other authors too? I understand there's a lot of, um, you know, demands on the money right now, but is that something that you're looking at? Um, at this point, um, we've discussed it, but we haven't uh, made any actions to actually go through with it or anything. It's just something we're still kind of throwing around. It'd be really nice if we were able to do that, um, and we'd probably start another campaign and everything. Um, but I guess right now we're just focusing on trying to preserve the ones that we do have. Um, so we haven't really thought about getting any more at this point. Okay. Uh, there have been some uh, big changes made in the Third Street house in the last few years, uh, pulling a lot of the rose stuff that had been on display out of, of the house and I'm assuming into storage and replacing them with kind of generic bedrooms for the girls. Are you planning on revisiting that floor or do you have any you know, ongoing plans for it? Um, at this point, I don't have any plans to change it, um, but we do have a lot of roses items in our collections and I'm hoping to put those out in our exhibits this year. So a few of Rosa's things will be out on display, but they won't be in the Ingalls home. So. Okay. Uh, last year, the Memorial Society helped sponsor uh, an outstanding cemetery tour by Nancy Cleveland. Um, I, I heard Bill Anderson say that it was one of the most um, the the one of the best things that he'd seen anybody do in DeSmet. Are you going to be repeating that this year? Well, Nancy Cleveland has done a lot of research in the past um, here at the Memorial Society, and that's been slowing down a bit. Um, I haven't yet spoken with her, um, so I'm not sure what her future plans are. So at this point, we don't have any plans. Um, but if she's in the area, I would definitely love to have her do it again. Um, okay. It's definitely something to think about. You know, cemetery tours are usually fantastic, and she did a great job last year. Um, so it's definitely something to think about that we can add on to our um, our tours. So, so uh, I I know you've been there six months. That's you know they they often say that you shouldn't really make too many changes in the first six months as a, a new boss because you got to figure out exactly how things work or yeah, exactly. otherwise. <laughs> Uh, well, to give you the library example, because, um, well, if it, anybody doesn't know, I'm a librarian. That's my real job. But to give the library example, you can throw out the series of, of uh, Thornton Burgess books that the the teachers use every year for a project because they're old. So you have to kind of wait a little bit to find out what's going on and what's being used and sort of what the major issues are. But you've been there six months now. So do you have any kind of big goals, either, you know, things that you would like to have done by this time next year or things that you see coming up as a five-year goal or just um, 
projects that you see that need to be dealt with ASAP or sort of what is the view from where you are? Well, at this point, I have many different ideas that I'd um, like to you know, move ahead with. Um, one of them is updating the, fam- the Ingalls Family Book. I know there's a few errors in that book, and I just want to keep it updating everything. So that's one of my um, main goals is just to update the work that the Memorial Society has come out with. Um, another is um, I want to work on the Surveyor's House. Um, right now we have just um, – originally the Surveyor's House was made out of board and batten, and I would like to get back to that. So I'd like to take down the current siding and put up um, some board and batten. And it might be new stuff, but I want to get back to what it actually originally looked like. So that's one of my main goals here now is to work on getting everything to look like it actually did in the past. Okay. Um, One thing that uh, has raised a lot of questions on uh, line is the conversion of um, the previous subscription system to the lore to be part of a larger membership system. Um, it was previously a very strictly subs- a subscription. You know, you'd always be told if you went in there and told said, you know, I've got a membership, they'd say, you only have a subscription. So now it's going to be a membership uh, system. And do you want to explain a little bit about how, what that is and how it's going to work and how people can uh, participate that in that if they want to? Yes. Um, right now we, well, those, um, the individuals that have had memberships in the past and that if they have a lifetime membership, we will continue to um, keep that, you know, up for them. And so they will continue to have their membership forever and everything. So they don't need to pay anything more so they can well, keep that's, it as... Well, that's good to hear. I know a lot of no. people have been concerned about that. There so. there has been uh, quite a bit of confusion on that. Um, so if you already have, you know, a Laura subscription and a membership and everything, that will continue until... Um, the expiration. So if you're a lifetime member, you always get it. You won't have to pay anything more. But if you had like a three-year membership, after those three years, you'll be done. Um, and really now with our new campaign, Laura's Legacy, that we've done, um, our, if you give $25, you will be able to receive both lores, and we only do two a year. So you'll be able to get the lore um, with a lot of other um, you know, different, um, what do you want to call it? Um, but other than, you know, the lore for $25, you get um, a free tour and your name listed in the newsletter. Um, if you gave, you know, $100 or more, you would get the newsletter free tour, your name listed in the newsletter, 10% off in our gift shop, and your name on our donor wall. So there's lots of different advantages depending on your level of giving. Um but right now it's just going to be a yearly donation. So every year you'd have to renew that. Uh, so we saw the information about that come out. Is there going to be uh, plans for doing something else? Are you planning on doing uh, 
a letter campaign next year or an actual event or, you know, I don't know, a raffle or anything like that? Or is it just going to sort of basically be that this program is going to be in place? Um, at this point, I believe we'll just do another letter campaign. We might have an event, but we haven't discussed it. So. Okay. Well, speaking of events, the uh, big thing this uh, during the summer is always the Laura Ingalls Wilder pageant, and sometimes the Memorial Society has extra things going on those weekends. Is there anything that you've planned so far for the pageant weekends? Well, I'm hoping to do a lot of hands-on activities, and I won't have that just for the pageant weekends. I'll try and have at least, you know, um, a few different activities going on throughout the week. So even if you can't make it for the pageant, at least there's, you know, a few more things that you can do um, when you come through and everything. So, you know, it might be we could make some animal tracks or doing yarn dolls or different things like that, um, just small projects that they can work on and take home with them. So I definitely want to do some more hands-on activities. But um, we're still discussing what we're going to be doing for the pageant weekend. So. One of the things I really like is, uh, at least you've done past years, I assume you're going to keep doing it, is a sort of postcard uh, scavenger hunt, sort of like a geocache without the geo part that you're, uh, you know, you get the little booklet and then you go and find the postcards around town. Are you going to be doing that again? Um, I don't believe we've done that in just recent years here, but it is something to think about to do again. So it'd definitely be um, a great project and activity to do. Okay. Um, one thing that uh, I've also gotten some questions about is social media. And if the uh, Memorial Society is going to have um more of a voice on screen uh, to be sort of more uh, frequent communication uh, with people. Uh, there was, uh, when Nicole Ozinga was at Walnut Grove, it was really great because she was very active on you know various uh, group sites and she answered questions. And uh, when uh, Roland uh Oh, I'm going to mispronounce your name, Roland. I'm sorry if you're listening. Uh, Ridestorm? It's something close to that. I'm sorry, Roland. Uh, <laughs> is is uh, Was there. Uh, he'd uh, been a little more active, but since then, it's it's the Memorial Society has been not quite so much. Are, uh, do you have plans to kind of be more interactive, or is that just kind of falling down the priorities list? Well, in recent years, Cheryl's had uh, um, a communication specialist working with us to write the blogs and to um, do Facebook posts and um, go on our Pinterest page and everything like that. And right now, we're still working on a transition, so I will be taking over all of our social media accounts. And so we have been working on you know, more blogs and different things. And because there's multiple people working on them, um, there has been a few errors and different things, and I just want people to know that um, there, you know, with multiple people working on them and everything getting moved around so much, that there has been a few errors, but we're trying to work on that and get those corrected. Um, and I definitely am 
you know, hoping to continue doing all the different blogs and Facebook posts and everything and trying to get more um, online for people, for those who aren't able to actually visit us in person but still are very interested in learning about Laura. So I'm hoping to do um, put out more information from our collections and different things so people can t continue to learn. And that's our one of our main goals online. Well, that sounds very good. I'm glad to hear that because it's uh, not only nice to have a little bit more interaction online, it's, I think, uh, a good way to reach out to especially younger people because it just, um, it there is a gap, I think, in uh, Laura fans to some extent because when no child went behind or no child left behind went through it killed interdisciplinary things between social study and english just the way it was set up and those were the Laura Ingalls Wilder programs so while there's uh, still schools that do Laura and there's quite a few of those there not as many as there were so i think outreach is a is a definite need you know where the younger people are so i'm glad to hear that um just we've got a few more minutes than I had questions written out for, so uh let's uh but I think we can keep talking a little while anyway uh if you had um what right now is the biggest problem that is facing the buildings uh physically that is a problem that you want to deal with? Is there anything? Uh, going wrong that uh, people would especially be interested in wanting to have funds for? Well, um, I had mentioned wanting to uh, fix up the surveyor's house, and mm -hmm. um, that's one of our main goals is trying to preserve that. And so we are asking for funds to help um, us do that for you know future generations so it can still be here. Now, that the surveyor's house was moved... Um, it used to stand one mile east of its current location near Silver Lake, and it was moved to the location where it's at now, next to our visitor center, um, in 1885. So it's a very old building, and right now we have a white exterior siding on it, and underneath that is the original board and batten. And since it is an older building, and with all the the weather and everything, it's, you know, caused some damage. And so one of my goals um, is to try and fix that and help preserve it, you know, for future years. And so one of my goals is to take down the current white siding and put up new board and batten. So we'll definitely be needing, um, we'll need to raise funds to do that. But that's my goal for, you know, the next five years or so. Are you going to be working with a historic homes expert? We are looking into um, getting an expert for a historical preservation. So we have been working with the South Dakota, um, the state and everything on that. So they've done different um, uh, tests and different things. So they're helping us with that. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and I will just give you kind of a little bit of um a heads up uh the Laura, or the Herbert Hoover birthplace cottage here in Iowa in West Branch uh they had done some tests 
And while they were inconclusive, they thought that it leaned a little bit more towards it being unpainted. So they decided that they were going to, since they couldn't leave the wood exposed, that they were going to paint it brown uh, to try and make it look like unpainted wood. Right. Which, personally, I thought was, they didn't follow through on it because they didn't paint the white picket fence brown, too, cause, so it looked like they painted their fence and not the house, which I always thought looked stupid, mm-hmm. but that's just me. Uh, but anyway, there was such an outcry that it had been white for all those years that people wanted it white that they eventually ended up uh, having to paint it white again. So just a little bit of a heads up. So I think it's good that you start talking about it now so people can get used to the idea. But I think yep. that's cool that you want to take it uh, back and make it a little bit more um, historic outlook. Yeah. Uh, well, see, that's kind of the issue is that, you know, a lot of our visitors come and they see this cute, you know, um, white siding, this house, it's, you know, cute and adorable kind of thing, but that's not really what it looks like. It was just board and batten. Um, it wasn't painted or anything, so we're trying to get back to the original, but it's not going to look the prettiest. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and while we're talking about the surveyor's house, this is not a question that I know if you have the answer to because it happened before you were there, but it's something I've been curious about. There used to be, for some reason, that I never really entirely understood, a miniature surveyor's house sitting right next to the surveyor's house, sort of doghouse size, and then it disappeared, and then the cement pad was still there for like two years, and now the cement pad's gone. And would you happen to know anything about that? Like I said, this isn't a fair question because I didn't warn you ahead of time, and, you know, I wouldn't expect you to know because it's a few years, but it's been bugging me. So I thought, while I had the chance, I'd ask. I I have never even heard of that, I guess, so I'm not really for sure what that was. Okay. Well, fair enough. As I said, it was that was something to look into. Because now I'm, you know, wondering what that is. <laughs> yeah, it was a strange thing. Because I mean, it wasn't big enough to be a playhouse. You couldn't get into it or anything. Even for little kids, they couldn't have gotten into it. But it was, you know, a fairly substantial sized model. It was like maybe the size of a picnic table, that hmm. kind of thing. And it's just, it. Not that I particularly cared about it. It was just like, huh. Where did that go? Right. <laughs> but okay. Well, uh, how have you enjoyed moving to Desmet? I know there is a lot. There are a lot of fans out there that uh, talk about you know someday getting to live in Desmet because they enjoy it so much during the summer. But you've been there during the winter now. So what? How is it like to move to Desmet? Well. I'm I'm glad that I lived in the Midwest before moving out here <laughs> because uh you kind of you're a little more aware of what the weather's like and everything. Um living in like northeast Iowa, we had, you know, a lot of snow and everything like that. And so that I was always used to, but the wind out here, it's it's very windy. <laughs> so that was something to get used to and everything. Um, I know I know what you mean about the the being in the Midwest already when they put um 
Carver Hawkeye, uh, the arena together, it had a flat roof. And I think they've worked with it a little bit so it isn't quite as flat as it was. But it was a perfectly flat roof. And the guy was from California who designed it. And people said, oh, what are you going to do when it snows? Well, we're going to put these things on it so the snow will melt. And they said, huh, what happens when the power goes out? And he said, it does that? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's good not to have a California attitude. And and the wind is definitely severe in in DeSmet. It is. Well, I personally love DeSmet, and I really, you know, I'm never there more than a few days, so maybe it's easy for me to say, but I never mind the wind. But when uh, my mom has come with me on a couple trips, and she just hates it. She hates it. She says, I'd never be able to live out here on the farm because of the wind. But it definitely, I'm sure, would be something to get used to. Yeah. But overall, it's been a, a nice change in everything. Um, the people here are very friendly and very helpful. So that's been going great. I've been meeting a lot of new people. Um, I have a lot more, you know, a lot more people to meet and everything. Um, But it's been going very well. Uh, But, like, I mean, like I said, I was, you know, kind of used to the weather and everything. So that hasn't been the worst. Um, I guess this winter has been, you know, fairly mild, though, compared to, you know, other years. So maybe next year it will be a little worse. But um, I'm living in town, so it's not too bad. Do they think it's going to be a wet year, so it'll be a good year to see Silver Lake, or is it? Are they talking about we didn't have enough snow, so it's going to be dry? Um, I don't think we've had enough snow, so I don't think there'll be too much water or anything. So, so just as a practicality question, if you were, uh, do you just have to buy all your groceries in town then, or do you go like to Brookings or? Uh, how does that kind of work? Because for those of you out there, there is no Walmart in Dismet. There isn't. Um, we just have just over a thousand people, and we do have a grocery store, so um, you can go there. But Brookings is about forty-five miles east of us on Highway 14, and Huron is about half an hour west of us. So oh. those both have WalMarts and everything, so you can go there. Um, I guess I never realized Turin was closer because as far west as I get is the Smet. Once yep. in a while, Manchester. But yeah. I keep saying um, I'm going to get out to Keystone again, but I never do. The Smet's where I stop. Yep. Here it isn't too far, so that's okay. Um, but I guess, you know, for me, I, I grew up in northeast Iowa and Rochester, Minnesota, and La Crosse, Wisconsin were, you know, only an hour away from me, so I was so used to living near bigger cities um and then Sioux Falls for me here is you know an hour and a half away so it's just a little further but out here on the prairie and everything everything's so flat and it seems just to take longer to get places so I'm still trying to get used to that but a lot of people shop in Sioux Falls around here well, I just wondered it's it's a little different when you're uh living someplace than when you're just passing through it is. <laughs> okay, well, um, that is coming up on about 50 minutes, and since we've already gotten through our questions mostly, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I guess not at this moment, um, but thank you for having me. I definitely really appreciate it and um, letting me, you know, 
just talk about the Memorial Society and what our hopes and our goals are and everything. So it's definitely helpful. Well, we're sure I'm sure glad that you could come on and that it worked out for you and that uh I hope that um you have a lot of good luck with the society and that we hear from you uh more often and we'll have to have you come on again sometime. Yes, I would enjoy that. So, thank you. Uh do you want to just before you uh head out want to give uh, contact information where if people are listening to this and they want to follow up, like where the society is as far as social media or phone number or anything like that? Sure. Um, our website is on www.discoverlaura.org, and on there you can find um, contact information, and it'll talk about the tours and directions to get here and everything. Um, also, our online gift shop is there, along with our blog that you can follow us on. Um, if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to contact us at 1-800-880-3383, and we'd be happy to talk with you about anything. So. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we will, well, as I have two trips planned to Dismet this year, so I hopefully will see you on one of them. Sounds great. Thank you. Um. Okay, thank you to everybody uh, for joining in today. And I wanted to let you know that uh, before the end of the month here, we're going to have two more episodes. I kind of missed the uh, reading, the World Read Aloud Day, and I kind of, um, well, it just kind of snuck up on me, I must admit it. But I am going to do an episode, and I may not give a lot of prior warning to it because it's basically in honor of World Reader Long Day or Allow Day. I'm going to read the next chapter of uh, the Mary J. Holmes book, which is the uh, only novel. There's, there's also a book of short stories that Laura mentions by name in the book Millbank. And um, I read a chapter, the first chapter of that two years ago. And uh, last year we'd had a, I had a little voting poll and people wanted to read more of the uh, big green animal book. But I think we're going to go back to Millbank for this time. And so hopefully we'll get another chapter done. And you can already check out the first chapter in our archives. And the second one should get up there sometime before the end of the month so that we can at least be in reading month. Uh, and then another episode that we have planned is our another Travel Times episode. And this Travel Times episode is going to be talking with Jessica O'Reilly from Travel Iowa. And uh, we're going to learn about all the places to visit in Iowa. We're going to look at classic sites like Living History Farms, Plow and Oak, which I love, uh, the Havana colonies, which everybody should eat at at least once, and the West Union Grotto, and then new sites that have just recently started. So if you are either looking for a place within driving distance or you're going to be in the general area anyway on a Laura trip, uh, we're going to be talking about some things that uh, you might be interested in. And that will be a 30-minute episode. It will be this Monday at 10 a.m. Central Time. 
So uh, next month, uh, we are going to hopefully be back with three episodes again. And we're working on trying to keep that up this year. And I'm going to work on the episodes where I don't have a guest trying to do the programs at about 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon central time just so we can keep uh, things a little bit more even to see if we can get more people to tune in. So uh, I want to remind everybody that Trundlebed Tales is available all over the web. There is a our blog at trundlebedtales.wordpress.com. There is the website at trundlebedtales.com that is in need of some updates. I need to. That's one of my projects when it's still kind of winter too. Uh, we're on Twitter at trundlebedtales, on Facebook and trundlebedtales, on Google Plus. Though I, I must admit, I don't do hardly anything there, um, and uh, YouTube which uh, I haven't been keeping updated very often lately because I've actually, well, I'm just so sick of having to deal with what Google has made it so you have to jump through YouTube to do, and it's just a pain. Um, I probably, one of these days, I should give up and try and load some things up there again. But uh, I have been loading videos both on the Facebook page and through Vimeo, and I recently got a set edited down because it's easier to take lots of footage than it is to actually have time to sit down and edit it. So my trip to Dismet from 2011 is up on Vimeo, and that was a recent blog post. So you can check that out. I've got links there to both the uh, videos and to the podcast that I did while I was there, and I kind of forgot how much fun I had back in 2011. So take a look and see if you can incorporate any of that stuff in your trips for this year or in the coming years. So thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Trendlebed Tales, where we keep the uh, keep bringing Laura Ingalls Wilder children's literature and history to life. I hope you will join me again for the next episode and uh, be sure to catch back all our past archives, which you can find either by uh, streaming online at www.blogtalkradio.com slash trundlebedtales, or you can also find them on iTunes to download them for free as an MP3 to take with you. And if you are an iTunes user, I hope that you will leave comments because that makes it easier for other people to find me. Uh, this is your host, Sarah Utah, signing off and wishing that you will brighten the corner where you are. <laughs>
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.